Leadership is kind of an interesting thing. I think that most people have within them greatness. And I think leaders can either help unlock that or we diminish it. We all have the capacity to be a leader. You have to be run by ideas, not hierarchy. The best ideas have to win. That leadership is the art of getting people to want to do what must be done. This is the Cloud Leaders Podcast. On this show, I aim to talk to real people who lead real teams to accomplish real goals. No influencers speak, no fake inspirational speeches, just real, practical conversations around what it takes to be a successful leader in today's complex world of information technology management. Let's get after it. All right, welcome everybody. This is actually my second episode of this, and I have somebody I've been looking forward to talking to about this this particular topic of leadership. Kirk Adams, thank you for the time, sir. Absolutely. I'm glad to be here and appreciate this opportunity. Kirk, give me like the 30, 60, 90 second story of who you are and how you became a leader and kind of, you know, where, where just, just the quick overview story of who Kirk Adams is and where you're at. Yeah. Yeah, you bet. So I, it's interesting. I kind of start with a four quadrant aspect of who Kirk Adams is, right? I, I start with really the aspects of me that I think make me up. First, uh, I'm a family guy. I've been married almost 28 years. Uh, love my wife dearly. We've been together 30, almost 30, see, 31 years uh, as of this coming fall. Congratulations. And, yeah, thank you. And, and the reality, that's a big part of who I am, but it's not completely who I am. I kind of pivot into my next quadrant, which I call my professional kind of this focused on the outward, you know, how do I help benefit the community uh, aspect as well? That's kind of where I, I spend my time in work. Um, that's another big quadrant. Third, I have a really important quadrant that I kind of lump two things together with between spiritual and I'll call mental uh, together into one quadrant where I spend a lot of time in meditation, learning, improving myself um, to try and help in those other quadrants, right? And the last piece is my physical quadrant. I'm a big cyclist and I spend a lot of time on the bike uh, and, and really thinking. And it's funny, all of those things kind of come together on the bike as well in a different way, but that, that kind of completes who I am. I always tell people, look, there's no such thing as balance. I don't believe in balance. I believe in counterbalance. My daughters are ballerinas. Um, and so there's this interesting concept when you go up on point, people think they're in perfect balance. It's actually not that it's a counter uh, where the muscles are firing at different points in time. And I think that's what life really is because if it was balanced, I would spend uh, six hours with my wife. I'd spend six hours at work. I'd spend six hours in mental and spiritual. I'd spend six hours physical. I, I just don't think that's real, but I think divvying that up huge. Now taking a look at kind of pivoting into leadership, you know, I, the, the leadership portion also spans very many of those other, you know, those other three, um, and kind of who I am. I got started from a from a work perspective in leadership. I, I would say I've always been a leader, and I don't think you need titles for leadership because at the end of the day, leadership is about influence. It's about helping people see things that perhaps they don't see. And that comes through um, reading, through information. There's a quote out there um, that I've heard many, many times, and I don't know who to attribute it to because I think people just copy and paste it, but leaders are readers. 
And I, I believe that whether you're reading a physical book or listening to podcasts, I think it's like kind of all the same. Right. Um, it's that training aspect to kind of fill your mind. Oh, my goal to healthily help to, to help other people to, to make decisions in their life. So I've been doing leadership roles at work from a work perspective for 16 years now um, with daring from a, you know, management level to senior leadership levels and uh, love it. It's been a great, it's been a great journey for me. Cool. Thank you for that, sir. Um, part of one of the things that I wanted to talk to you specifically about Kirk, you know, I've been part of teams connected to you for about a year or so now. Um, and been on a lot of your leadership calls and just kind of listening to kind of how you run things. And, you know, this is, this is uh, an observation that I have pulled out of myself. Probably not the first time you've heard somebody talk about this, but you always bring up, seem to bring up a lot of like inspirational quotes and co- mm-hmm. inspirational content and things to try to like move people towards, um, you know, doing things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I was listening to the you know the it's seemingly the guy who's like the godfather of all podcasting right now joe rogan yeah and, joe and joe was interviewing david goggins a guy you like uh, to quote, a guy you like to quote a I lot love goggins and yeah. and i want to play this clip for you because i think it, 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 it this is an interesting uh, point of view there's a, there's like a whole industry now that's dedicated to trying to help people get motivated and a lot of the people that are involved in that are very unqualified hundred percent because they're not really doing anything no and there's so many people that haven't actually done anything but they'll try to teach you how to get your life in order yeah. and how to get your mind right and develop that warrior mentality <laughs> i'm like you don't have that well they're utilizing the weakness of the world right now yeah the world's in a very bad place so the these these people who are like con artists they sit back and say oh i can come up with this i can come up with this and this right here can probably make me some money so, so the question out of that, that, that whole idea, Kirk, is, you know, when you're going through and you're trying to select mm-hmm. stuff to try to motivate people, like what kind of scrutiny are you using to try to like, you know, say like, this is something that my team needs to hear. Like, how do, how yeah. do you select that stuff? To, yeah. You know, this, this goes back to probably years worth of my own study, right? Um, I've been a big follower. I'll use David Goggins because I love Goggins story. I made uh, mention just a few minutes ago about how I read avidly. Um, I'm constantly looking for information again with the intention to try and not just help people, but to even help myself. Um, so my mind is filled with this stuff. I have a on my phone. If I was to show you, um, as I'm reading, as I'm learning, uh, especially for a little one clip, you know, kind of like sound bites that just hit me hard. Mm-hmm. I started a file on my phone. Um, just in notes, and I'll write the quote down. In fact, I'll keep going back at it until I have it perfectly, and then I'll I'll put that quote in there so that I can actually use that at some point because it hit me so hard. You know, I I want to hopefully help have maybe it can help somebody else. And so I I I try when I'm when I'm reading depends on the book, but I will take notes and uh, we'll refer back to those on a regular basis. And then at the appropriate time, most people are struggling with very similar things. One of the things that David Goggins would say, and I agree with it, you, you can, you can take a rock out and throw it and you probably would hit somebody with similar problems as yourself. We get too caught up in our own problems and everybody's in what I'll call victim Olympics to try and race to the gold medal of who's got it the hardest. And I think that's a, that's a fruitless effort. What we really need to be doing is working together to figure out how we help 
each other because there may be stuff that I'm going through that you don't understand, but in, in its core, we're all struggling with something, right? And uh, trying to overcome that, I'm trying to help inspire people because I think leadership is kind of an interesting thing. I think that most people have within them greatness. And I think leaders can either help unlock that or we diminish it and we diminish it how we treat people. I'm trying to always find ways to unlock it because I think people have greatness. All people have greatness within themselves. And I, and I, I, I love that, that line victim Olympics. That's, pr- that's priceless. Um, yeah. And it's, it is true. Like everybody wants to blame somebody else for all the, for things that are for everything that's wrong yeah. in their life. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why, by the way, that's why I love David Goggins, because if you listen to Goggins story, look, he's going to be the first to say, look, I, I was a complete loser up until I decided I didn't yeah. want to be. Yeah. And at the point that I didn't want to be, I taught myself how to read because I he was extremely dyslexic and still is. Of course, that's not something that just goes away, but taught himself how to really become a reader. He, he had learning disabilities, so he learned how to learn. Nobody taught him how he learned how to learn. He came from a horrible background and overcame that. So I love the story because, you're, I mean, as we're all trying to figure out, no, I've got it so bad. You've got to really, you know, have, have uh, pity me and, and open these doors. It's like, well, that that's true. I'm more than happy to help, but at some point you've got to take control of yourself and go. And so what I'm trying to do is find ways to unleash that. Like you can have power, you can do good things. And so I'm trying to help inspire. Cause again, I think you're as a leader, you're either inspiring or you're uninspiring. It's one right. of the two. What, what kind of feedback have you gotten from your teams over the years on on the way that you use that kind of external motivation? Well, do people, yeah, hate, it do people love it? Do people love it, hate it? No, it's mixed. Some people love it. Like some people are like, oh, Kirk, that was amazing. Like, yeah. I love this. Like, where'd you get your information? And some people are like, it bugs me. Like, it just bugs me. And I think some of that is it just doesn't resonate. And for whatever reason, it might resonate. I also think that there's people in there that I'm getting under their skin because I'm hitting a nerve that is exposing what they're not willing to do in themselves. And they don't want that exposed. I think it's both. It's not always that clear cut, but I think some people don't want to have me rant to say, you got to pick yourself up and you got to go. They'd rather blame the company for why I'm not hitting my quota. It's the company's fault. It's marketing's fault. It's my SE's fault. It's everybody's fault, but mine. And when I start to say, no, Let's, let's get through all this. It's, it's you. This is your responsibility. It's your job. Some people don't want to hear that. Yeah. Right. And so it doesn't always resonate. And that's a really good point. Yeah. And, and that's the, like, cause like, it, like me as a classic engineer, like I'm, I'm in it, I'm in engineering sales, but I'm not, you know, you're just a straight hardcore salesperson. Like, sure. like for me, like typically, yeah, it doesn't really hit me that hard because like, first of all, I'd have no idea who that person is. You typically. Right. Was, you know, was, so there's not, not a lot of context there. Like, I really had no idea who David Goggins was until you started talking about him. Yeah. And yep. and I and so when I listened back to Joe, Joe's interview with him back from, from last year from like three, it's a three hour interview. And yep. he goes into like parts of his story and oh, my gosh, it's so tragic. And it is. just just the the things that this guy had to grow up with. It's just like it's unbelievable that he came out of that and, you know, worked his way through the seals and all this stuff. It's like, yeah, go, go listen to that episode of Joe Rogan's podcast. If you need to hear your story, but. Oh, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Right. It, it, it is inspiring because when you listen to Goggins, what there's a, there's a number of key themes. One of his key themes is if I can do it, anybody can, I'm not that good. That, that David, yeah. if David Goggins were sitting here right now, he would, he would say, you're right on. And he would say, and as a result, you have no excuse, none. 
So pick yourself up and get going. And there's people that hate that message. They hate that message. Everybody would rather be the king of their comfort zone. Yeah. And David Goggins is always pushing that limit to say, now nah, you can do better. But yeah, you did. You did 10 marathons last year, but you could have done 20. It's like, well, I did 10. <laughs> like, you could have done 20. I mean, David Goggins yeah. came here to Utah just a year or two ago to do the Moab 240 or whatever. It did 240 miles in, I think mm-hmm. he did a little over three days. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. Like, that's nuts. And he did it. He finished it. And uh, I, I don't even ride my bike. I ride, I've ridden my bike 200 miles. Uh, and that was, you know, 11 hour journey on that 10 hour journey on that. But to run it, yeah. 240. Wow. God bless you. I, I, I did a hundred miles in a day once on my bike and my left knee has never been the same since. <laughs> <laughs> As a way, it'll take yeah, it out. Yeah. But see, I love, I, I do, I love to aspire to try to be like that. Am I David Goggins? No, I, I don't even pretend to be, but I love the concept of what David presents to Kirk Adams because I am me. And I want to get better and better and better. And so it's this constant improvement that I'm constantly looking at myself to say, how do I become better? And I want to bring that out in a positive way, not in a negative way. I don't want anybody to take away negatively, but it does it does hit some people the wrong way. So, all right, part, part of the other reason I want to have these conversations with, with leaders that I know and, and, and work with, Kirk, is partly to kind of get a little a little bit of professional consulting for free from, from you folks, but also all of all of it is, you know, like I'm sure that over the years, over the last 16 years of you doing this, you've come up with things that more often than not work in terms of, you know, doing, providing, you know, sense of direction for people, you know, Mm -hmm. that kinds of things. So in, in your kind of way that you handle the leadership task, how, what are some of the like one or two things that you think you know is applicable Matter. to pretty much all leaders and just the stuff that actually works the 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 things that principle one that works for me is one it's not about me it's about them um what i mean by that is you've all you've i'm sure worked for britain where you work for somebody that they're they're driving in a goal that you you jointly hold meaning a quota because that's where we're always focused in sales right but the individual is more worried about the way that they look. The leader is more worried about the way that they look and that they're perceived. Um, and there's almost this last helicopter out of Vietnam feel from them that they're panicking yeah. as opposed to worrying about how do I help Britain get this done? How do I help Kirk get this, this deal? And how do I help whoever it is, Sally, with her quota to get that done? So first and foremost, for me, it is about the other person completely. If I can help, and that that's the key. I, I try to look at it from the standpoint of I'm going to use a word that nobody likes to use and I'm going to use it as love to truly love the other people that work for me. I tell everybody all the time, I'm more concerned about the Britain corporation than I am about the Adams corporation. I'm going to worry about that first, because if I take care of you and your family and your loved ones, everything falls into place, including for me, for the company, for the customers, for the shareholders, if I take care of you, Right. Why? Because you're going to want to work here because you're going to feel that. And everybody wants to belong to something that's bigger than them. And I think that's where it starts. And two, you're going you're gonna to want to dig in at a much higher level because you're like, this person understands me. So for me, the number one principle that I try to live by 
is when I'm leading teams, I really try to care about the, the, the people. Now, that's not just lip service. When I go out, I'll try and meet with them. If I was going to come out to Chicagoland, for instance, or Indiana and meet with you, I'd say, let's take your family out to dinner. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's take you and your significant other out to dinner, wh- whatever it might be. And we're not going to even talk about work. We're going to talk about you. And as, as some people like, I don't even know what to do with this. Right. Right. And so it's not, I try, I, I try really hard. Like that's, that's authentically who I am. I'd rather, we're going to spend more time together, frankly, with the people that we work with than we do with our own families. Yeah. Right. You talk about balance or lack of balance. I'd rather be able to say, I'm getting on, I'm flying into Indiana. We're going to go meet customers. And it's like, there's a good feeling. It's like, okay, that's good. Like I actually enjoy being in your presence. And it's not just about enjoyment. It's like, how do I add value to you? What can I actually change for you to make your job easier, to make your life better? I've always lived by this whole concept of, I want people to work from, that have worked for me that they can truly say by the time they're done, if they can answer this question of, uh, in the yes, I've, I've succeeded it. And if not, I failed. It's this question. I'm a better, are you a better person for having worked on the team in general, for your job, your family, for those quadrants that I hold dear? Do you feel like you're better? And if, if the answer is yes, I win, right? That, that's So for me, everything that I try to do is going to be to help. I've got four leaders now that report to me between Bobby, Scott, Arf, and Rob. Am I doing a good job for them? And if the answer is yes, we're, I'm succeeding completely. So that, that feels like, though, Kirk, that feels like that's a really high standard you're holding yourself to. And Absolutely. How do you deal with the pressure of that then? Because now you're, yeah, if you're, if you're saying like, you know, and, and Simon Sinek likes to say, let's say as a leader, you're not you know, in charge, you're responsible for those people in your charge. And that's right. It's, it's one of these things of like, okay, now that you've got these people, you know, you're responsible and not, not, not just in charge of them, but they're in your charge. How do you deal then with the pressure of knowing that that's kind of in the back of your head? Like, you know, it's not just me that's at stake here. It's all these other people. Yeah. It's, it's all the other families that I'm seeing. So I'm okay with the pressure because I feel like that's the cost of just being a human. Right. And so I guess I don't even think about it that way. Um, it's a really good point, but for me, it's just part of who it is because I would, I've always wanted to work for people and, and follow leaders that have cared about me and my family. And so to me, it's really nothing to think that they should expect that they're treated with respect. They should, you should expect that from me. You should expect that I'm going to be in your corner to help you with whatever you need. Now it doesn't always work that way because at the end of the day, this isn't my company. I'm still a steward of the company. So if there's stress, the stress comes in what I'm able to do versus what I can do. And that's where the stress really comes because there's things that I can see that I'd say, that's never what I would have done. But the company at the end of the day, as my dad used to say, the golden rule applies here. He who controls the gold controls the rules. Well, I don't make up the rules, right? But I try and balance that. And I can do I can do some things via influence. But at the end of the day, I don't mind the, the, the stress because I love that kind of an organization. And if you look at what we built even here over the last few years, it's become a really good family type of a, of a feeling. I don't have people that are just jumping off the ship, right? And I don't want that. I don't ever want that. I would rather work with somebody that has the right attitude. Well, let's make you better. Let's, if you, if you've got a, if you got a skill gap, let's fix the skill gap. 
Because at the end of the day, I don't think most leaders know what the problem is. And because they don't know what the problem is, they can't solve the problem. The problem usually, in a lot of times, we assume everybody's not motivated. Well, at the at the level that we're playing with the professionals that I've been working with, I don't think motivation is really the issue. I think that there could be other gaps. Let's figure out what the real problem is. Let's solve problems and go there. I like that. And, 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 and that's, that's how, like, as an, as an engineer, as a technical person, like that scratches the itch that I have engineering wise of, you know, like dealing with sure. problems, but yep. certain leaders have this tendency of, yeah, somebody doesn't do something. And so then you get the, 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 the manager or leader who was promoted because they were really good at doing something. Yeah. Different skill set. And then all of a sudden, you know, they, they come down on people and they get, they get labeled as a micromanager. And, sure. you know, it's, and then, and then all of a sudden that creates a whole other cavalcade of problems. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, and I'm sure that even you as a leader of leaders have seen people come through this where like all of a sudden, maybe they're like being a little too intense on some of the people that they're leading. Have you had to redirect somebody who's been kind of like getting too deep into the weeds in an issue that maybe they, yeah. they need to let go of? <laughs> I think it's always a tro- it's always a problem when you when you promote good skill people, whether you're talking a sales rep or you're talking an engineer. That person has clearly, typically, shown a competence at being able to deliver on that skill. Mm-hmm. Leadership is a completely separate skill. So the mistake that we often make is, "Hey, you've been a great sales rep. That means you'll be a great VP or a great sales manager." there's nothing in that sales rep that would indicate yet that they would be a great leader other than they've done a great job in the skill that they have. They may have other things around the periphery that you can see, but that's always the risk that you run is we haven't seen how you run a team and then kind of going and attaching to the point that you just made. And what usually exemplifies itself or it manifests is that great sales rep who now is a sales leader that has eight reps, you know what they try to become? a great sales uh, rep for all of them. And what, well, here's what I mean by that. It's the super sales rep where they go in and they, Hey, Hey, you don't know what you're doing. Let me, I'm going to take over this deal. Yeah, and I yeah. think that's, that's tantamount to, to failure. So I haven't with the people that I hire, have I have hired, I've seen that from time to time, but it becomes very clear in a couple of ways that that manifests itself. One, I observe it because I can see it. Yeah. Like you're taking over the deal. Don't do that. Or two, I get the feedback from the from the reps themselves. Hey, you know, Kirk's been over my shoulder. And every time we go into a sales call, he takes over. Like he has the relationship with the team. I don't. And it is a tricky balance. I will tell you, some sales leaders love that kind of sales style or from a leadership style. I do not because I think it creates weak skill people. Mm-hmm. If I wanted a great sales rep, then stay a sales rep. If I want a leader, I need you to make great sales reps. All of them become great sales reps. That's a different skill set. It doesn't mean that you don't get involved. It means learning kind of that balance of where you get involved and where you take yourself out. Are you the one that's always responding to the VP now? Because you've set yourself up. The VP is always coming to the, the sales leader. If you've done that, you've ruined, in my opinion, what you should have been doing in the first place. And by the way, I hate to tell everybody, you don't scale. Right. And so it's you've now set yourself up that you're, you're a great sales rep that was so great. I can promise you this, that great sales rep, she won't stay. She'll leave. He'll leave. They'll be gone. Yeah, you know why? Yeah. They, they want to be 
a great sales rep. And if I'm coming in over their shoulder, I failed them. And then that sales leader goes on vacation. What happens with all the deals? They all go to, to pot. So you can tell if you've done a good job, the, the litmus test, because it's really hard to say, where's the line of demarcation? That's a tough question to answer, but I can give you an analogy. If you can go on vacation, you've succeeded. If you can't go on vacation, you've failed. Right. And to me, it's that simple. So you look, sometimes you have to pop the hood. I, I give everybody the analogy, you know, as far as micromanagement, nobody wants to be micromanaged. I don't want to be micromanaged. However, let me give you a car analogy since you're a car guy and I'm a car guy. I love yeah, cars. Yeah. We go from my house in Orm to Salt Lake's 35 miles, you know, 70 miles round trip. We get on the freeway at 70 miles an hour. Chances are you're not worrying about the car when we're getting on the freeway. Engine sounds tight, right? We're going to be in your Audi and it's like, hey, let's, let's, let's open it up a little bit. Everything's fine. You're not going to even think about the car other than I want to go faster. I need to slow down. That's all you're going to do. Well, if we're supposed to go to Salt Lake, though, and all of a sudden you get on the freeway and you hear a clunk, a clunk, mm-hmm. and you keep going. Well, of course, you got to pop the hood. You got to figure out what's wrong. That doesn't mean that you'll stay under the hood. The goal is not to stay under the hood. The goal is to get back in the driver's seat. So again, the next problem is, can you identify problems? What's the problem? Or are you identifying symptoms? Because most people will focus on symptoms, not problems. Symptoms are easy to see. Problems are really hard to under, to, to identify. Yeah. They're even harder to fix. And so a leader's first goal has got to be, where are my problems? And where, how do you know it's a problem and not a symptom? And getting into some of that to then diagnose how you're going to then, once you've identified the problem, then create a solution that will work so that you can get back from underneath the hood, back into the driver's seat where you need to be. Because you don't want to stay out there for long. You mentioned books. Do you have any immediate book recommendations? See, I've got 140 books on my phone. (laughs) You've already mentioned Simon Sinek, New Infinite Game. Okay. It supports Start With Why. It's a very, very good. That's a great read. Have you done any of the Ryan Holiday no. books? Discipline is Destiny. Okay. Let me look up all my Ryan Holidays because he's got four out, if I'm not mistaken, and every one of them is is phenomenal. Okay. Courage is Calling. Discipline is Destiny. Ego is the Enemy. Stillness is the Key. Okay. And The Obstacle is the Way. Those are phenomenal must-reads. Those are all virtue-based you know, kind of get into your guts. Obstacle is the way was the first one I've read of his and it blew my mind. It was phenomenal. Starts with the, you know, the story of Marcus Aurelius is really kind of the focus of this. And the obstacle becomes the way is his argument that everybody at any obstacle in your life, everybody says, well, what you do is you turn around. And he's like, not necessarily. The cave that you fear to enter holds the treasure that you seek, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, hmm. Let that one chew on for a minute. Look at David Goggins at the example. The people that I aspire to be like, they have like Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan's quoted as saying, I want to see somebody who's really screwed their life up and then watch them overcome it, mm-hmm. right? That's the story that we all love. That's that's me. And, and perhaps there's some of that in myself that I see where I feel very, very, very average, very, in fact, below average, but I love surprising people. I love having somebody tell me that they, I can't do something. Love it. You're too big. You're not smart enough, right? You don't know what you're doing. That is all I need to typically overcome that. So I'd say the Ryan Holiday books, those would be good ones that I would tell you to absolutely read. I have a ton of other ones just looking at through my, uh, my list of things. I read historical 
books as well to, to come up with other ideas and, and stories that help me that exemplify in real life the mm-hmm. theory, right? I think the best writers take the theory and match them with reality as well. Um, and so those would be good uh, ones as well. I read a lot about the Navy SEALs for the obvious reasons. Uh, I, t- I tend to see a lot. Uh, Brandon Burchard, I don't know if you've read any of his books. Mm-mm, no. Uh, wife's, uh, Brandon Burchard is a must, must. Ed Milet, any of those guys, those would be ones I would definitely point you towards. Brandon Burchard is kind of a key consultant with kind of the Fortune you know, 50 mm-hmm. uh, CEOs. He's phenomenal. His energy is amazing. He wrote a book called Life's Golden Ticket. Highly recommend that book. Overcome by Jason uh, by Jason Redman. Mike Hayes, who's our COO. If you haven't read his book, Never Enough, mm-hmm. highly recommend that book as well. Okay. Um, I can go on and on and on. Uh, there's a lot of books. <laughs> clearly, a clearly, lot. you've got the. You need like. So I, I used to read like audio books all the time, and that's the problem. I, do that I, too. I can't put them on the shelf behind me. That's and, the same problem and, with and me. Show and show off how well read I am to everybody. Well, that's the thing is, I, I got a goal. I heard that you know, if if you ask Bill Gates what his superpower would be, it would be to read and learn faster. Yeah. That's what he said, and he reads a book a week. And I said, if Bill Gates can read a book a week, so can Kirk Adams. So I set a goal three years ago, four years ago that I was going to do the same. And I did. And I would say I'm not a book a week exactly, but I'm probably anywhere from a book to a book to a book a week to a book every two weeks. Um, and so I love, um, like I can't get enough of that. That's, that's my, how I, I, I have a, a ritual um, every morning and the ritual starts with uh, meditation and reading, right? Mm-hmm. That's absolutely. And that's for an hour. And then I go into physical. Um, that's where I do my training for an hour. And many times in the training, if I'm writing, I'll be still reading. Yeah. If I'm on my bike, I will still be reading. So I'll have anywhere from an hour or two hours every day. If you look at uh, Warren Buffett, Warren Buffett will read anywhere from four to six hours a day. So Dang. these are kind of people that I go, what was I doing wrong? I wasn't filling my head with enough stuff. So I pivoted that. And now it's a ritual. And if you notice on my calendar, there's certain times of the day that are blocked off specifically for that ritual. Um, and it's been a huge benefit to me. Huge. Perfect. Kirk Adams, thank you for the time, sir. I really appreciate this. This is, I think, immensely helpful. Um, if nothing else, giving me and anybody else hearing this, you know, lots of good ideas of people to read up on and, and follow. Hey, Britton, thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you on the team as well, my friend. Yeah, thank you, sir. You bet. We'll be right back.